0: If you do have your Bible, why don't you go to 1 Samuel uh, 1 is where we'll start here this morning. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good week. And um, I'm thrilled to continue the series. If you knew, hello. We're in week five of something called Follow Me. And it's not about adding numbers to your social media account. It's actually what Jesus said to his early disciples. He said to Matthew and he said to James and John and Peter and others, what I want you to do is follow me. And their life changed. And we want to see with fresh eyes some of the basics. If you've been going to church forever, uh, this is for you. If you're new to following Jesus or thinking about it, this is for you. Because we want to get grounded in some of the important first things of what it means to be a disciple. All right, just to recap, because some of you have been gone in Korea and other places uh, around the world. Uh, Four weeks, what did we talk about? Week one was about what it means to be a disciple. What does that look like And a disciple is a word that we don't use today, but it simply means an apprentice. By the way, all of this, all of it is in a book that I wrote called Good News Today and Tomorrow. And so if you don't have a copy, we have it on the welcome desk. And we put it together specifically for people who are new to following Jesus. But there's seven chapters, and this series is based on it. Although none of the content we didn't like. Oh, I won't prepare this week. I'll just read my own speech. No, it's, this is the foundation, and we're building on it on Sundays. You can pick up a copy and get ready for next week, which is about sharing your story. Uh, but getting back to week one was Jesus said, follow me. That means we're apprentices. We're learners. So the essence of what it means to be a Christian is to be a learner, It's not just about one experience where you encounter God's love and then you just go on living. No. Jesus said, follow me, apprentice. He's the master and he's showing us for a lifetime. So I'm about 40 years into following Jesus. And you know what I'm discovering? I haven't even scratched the surface. There's so much more that I can know. There's so much more I can enjoy. There's so much more that I can be shaped. It never ends. It's not like you get there. Life in following Jesus is about learning from him. Week two, we looked at how we do this, and we do it through church. Jesus said, follow me together. It's never about you and Jesus. It's about we and Jesus. It's always about his community. We looked at the importance of what it means to be a part of a local church. Week three, we looked at the power of words. God gave us each other, and he gave us the scriptures, the Bible, so I can really know his ways, how we know what God is like. How do I know if I'm making it up? How do I know if you're making it up? God gave us real words so we can know who he is and how we're supposed to live. And then last week, how do we understand the Bible? How do we live out our faith together as a community? God gave us himself, the Holy Spirit. And it's because God has come to live in and through us. It's mysterious. When you walked in here, God was already here. He's everywhere. But yet, God is living and working inside of you. So Jesus said in two or three, gather in my name. God's Holy Spirit is working through all of us, and there's something special about that. Uh, now, week five, we're going to talk about one of the basics, prayer. What is prayer? What does it look like, and how do we grow in it? But before we do that, three key words that summarize the whole series, relationship, growth. And change. If you've been coming for five weeks, you're kind of tired of it, but we'll keep drilling it in. What, it, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It's not a bunch of steps, it's about relationship. We learn from Jesus, we're with him. It's about growth. He's shaping the way we think, the way we live. So, part of my goal should always be what does Jesus think about this scenario? If I'm going to get married, what does Jesus have to say about it? If I'm going to start a business, what was Jesus say about it? Where's wisdom for that? If I'm dealing with some sort of struggle, internal or someone, what does Jesus have to say about We're always learning from him. And finally, change. If we're not changing, there's no problem with God. He's always right. There's some problem within us. God wants to continually transform us by the renewing of our mind. As I understand the will of God, my mindset begins to change, and it shows up in the way I live. So I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. And guess what? My great hope is 10 years from now, I think I'm following Jesus now, but I want to be more close to his ways. I want to look more like him. So at the end of your life, when people attend your funeral, it shouldn't just be great stories about what a great guy or lady you are. But I would hope at the end of your life, your kids, your grandkids, your friends would say there was something about this person. And I think it was Jesus. They seem to live more like Jesus. That is the goal. All right, today we want to talk about prayer. To do that, I want to read two obscure spots from the Bible that you may say, why are you reading this? Just hang in there. We'll, um, we'll bring it in. Prayer. What is it? What does that look like? How, how, how are we supposed to engage in it? Rather than going through what Jesus said about prayer, I want us to look at two experiences in prayer in First Samuel that hopefully will help us get a flavor for what it could look like in our world. First Samuel 1. I won't start at the first beginning. It's more of an intro. I'll start in verse 6. There's a lady named Hannah, and she's uh, married, but she can't have kids, and I'll pick up from that point. First Samuel 1, 6. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, uh, this other woman married to the same man, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and and she wouldn't eat. And her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? This other woman had had children and was like mocking her. Something must be wrong with you. Uh, And the husband's like, "What's, what's wrong? Now, verse 9, once when they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and you'll remember me. And not forget your servant, but give her a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head, which was code back then. He'll be set apart to live in God's house and follow God's ways. I'm going to set him apart. Uh, If God, you'll hear my cry, this child will be yours. The reason I wanted to read this is I wonder if you can see yourself in the story Um, maybe like Elkanah, like, hey, what's the big deal? What happens, happens. Why are you discouraged? Maybe you could see yourself more in the spot this morning, like Hannah, and something wrong is going on on the inside. And what's prayer look like? I'm giving you just one example. It's not the only. Prayer can look like going to God unashamed, and even though her husband says, don't worry about it, she doesn't care what she looks like, She weeps bitterly before the Lord and says, God, will you hear my cry? Um, Verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, who is the priest, the leader, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. This is interesting. She's praying, and it's not like someone would say if you pray, you have to pray out loud, right? For everyone to hear it. Here she is. She's just, she's broken. And, it's like she's talking, but you can't even hear it. Now, now Eli thinks something wrong is going on. Eli thought she was drunk, and so he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Oh, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief, so prayer could look like uh, suffering and struggle and going to God. So Eli answered, "Okay, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of Him." This is interesting. So prayer for Hannah is just pouring out her like guts. God, why? Prayer for Eli when he realizes, "Oh, she's not. She's not joking around." He simply says, "God." Will you give her what, what she desires? For her, it's emotion. For him, it's simply agreement. He doesn't have any emotion in this. He simply sees this woman, connects with her, and he prays, God, give her what she's asking for. Verse 18, um, she said, may your servant find favor in in your eyes. So she walks away happy. She went away, ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. So prayer ends, and she's, She's changed. All right, I'm going to be okay. Eli said, may it happen. Early the next morning, they rose and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their home in Ramah. And Elkanah, Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Now, don't read that literally in the sense of like, oh, shoot, I got a lady named Hannah. Like, God didn't forget, right? What did he hear? He remembered she was asking for a son. And he remembered that Eli agreed with her, like, wow, God, give her the desire of her heart. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So let me just connect some dots here. She pours out her heart to God. Eli agrees. He prays. She prays. God responds. And she connects the dots. Sometimes in this whole idea of prayer, there's no like moment where we suddenly see God flash in and it's like, wow, God, you're here. She just senses in her soul, I needed this, I wanted this, and God provides. And when she becomes pregnant, she recognizes it wasn't coincidence, it wasn't accident. God did this. So communicating with God could be like over time. She prays in one place, she goes home, she sees nothing And in a moment, wow, she begins to discern, God has been with me. And that's what prayer looks like. That's not the only example. Just turn a couple of pages to 1 Samuel 3. I know this is long and obscure, but I want us just to see that prayer takes so many forms, and we can grow in it. So woman, need, Eli, there, hears it, says, Lord, will you do it? Both are examples. Here's another one. Samuel now is born. He, he's, he's brought Hannah in chapter 2, gives her son over. It says, I want him to be raised in the things of God, just like she had promised. And then it says in verse 1, 1 Samuel 3, 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In other words, he lived there and served. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. So he's old now. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying on lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was, and then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I, I didn't call you. Uh, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up. And went to Eli and said, here I am. You called to me. My son, Eli, said, I didn't call. Go back, lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. pause. This is really interesting. What does prayer look like? So Eli's just growing up and he's living. uh, I'm sorry, Samuel's growing up. He's living with Eli and he's learning about God and he's growing. When God begins to speak to Samuel, he doesn't recognize it's God. At all. As a matter of fact, he thinks he's hearing Eli. This is so intriguing. God is communicating to us in so many ways. Sometimes we think it's somebody else talking to us. When really God is speaking in natural, normal ways. It doesn't always happen this way. Notice, this is not like Hannah's experience. But I just want us to see variety. Normal, everyday thing. Samuel's just sleeping, and God, God comes to him. So verse 8, a third time the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called me. Then, then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told him, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Samuel doesn't understand how to connect with God. Eli does. And so what we're going to discover today is there are lots of things about communicating with God that don't come naturally, and that's all right. We can actually learn and grow in discerning what God's trying to say to us. Uh, Then the Lord came, stood there, verse 10, calling as the other times. So God doesn't change in his perspective. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel where he's living that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And then he goes on and on and on, and he, and he begins to lay out to him. I just want to see the variety. When I say prayer, what does that look like to you? For most of us, prayer is something that we've seen or heard in people before us and we've picked up on it and said, that's what it must be. Uh, for some, prayer is just the folding of the hands or, or if you're really young, let's, let's kneel beside the bed. That's what we did as a kid. For prayer for me was kneeling beside the bed and saying, God, keep the boogeyman away and you know, all the stuff we were worried about when we were kids and bless the teachers and all that. For some, when I say prayer, your mind goes to food, right? Lord, if it's poisonous, or if it's fattening, defatify the food, Lord. And, you know, like, or bless, bless this food we're about to eat. You know, all, so prayer, like I say the word, your mind goes to something. I just wanted you to see two different encounters. Prayer for Hannah is, I, I don't have a child. To not have a child in her day was a sign that you were cursed. Something was wrong with you. Like God stopped it. You'd done something wrong. It was like punishment. So she's not only childless. In the community, people are saying, something's not right with her and God. And she's like, God, things are right with us. What's, what's the deal? For Eli, it's, she just encounters someone. Uh, he encounters someone in need and says, Yeah, I see your heart is right. Let's pray. That's prayer. And then, and then for Samuel, it's about hearing what sounds natural and normal voice, but, but he doesn't discern that it's God. And so there are many expressions of prayer. And what we did to not be redundant, there's a chapter on prayer that I think will be helpful in there. You can have it as you walk out. It's free. And then write this down. Write down this phrase, teach us to pray. We did a five-part series a couple years ago. It's on our podcast. You can listen to it. And we looked at the Lord's Prayer over five weeks. Even if you were here, it was back in 2015, I'm going to encourage you, if you want to grow in prayer, listen to it again. Again, it's not rocket science, but there's something that we can learn. Teach us to pray. You can go back and listen to it. I just want to look real briefly, and then we want to do it. I'm going to share it, and then we're going to actually practice it together. Three things about prayer that come from the book, come from the series. Mostly they just come from the Bible. Three things. First thing, what is prayer? This is a quote uh, from the book. Prayer is simply an invitation to relationship. That's all it is. Prayer isn't necessarily the folding of hands. Prayer isn't necessarily posture and kneeling. It's not necessarily pouring out your soul in tears. It's not being at bed at night and kind of getting a sense that someone's saying something. All those can be prayer, but prayer at its essence is an invitation to relationship. We all know the power of conversation with family and friends. So prayer is less about mechanics, about like saying the right thing, like, I got to get it right. And it's more about a shared experience. And that's what you see in Samuel. God is trying to intersect where Hannah is and where Eli is and where Samuel is. It's about a shared experience. God really wants to spend time listening and speaking to you. So three things about prayer. And there's two helpful books if you're interested in that that kind of thing. Spiritual Lessons for the Christian Life by a guy named Donald Whitney. And we'll kick this out in the email in the weekly this week. And Hearing from God by Dallas Wool are are two helpful books. But I'm going to recap some that I've read, and this is all from the Bible. Number one, prayer is, it's expected. If you're going to have a relationship with God, relationship, growth, and change, whatever prayer looks like for you, whether it's when you're in the car and you're just talking with God with your earpiece in so you don't look like a freak, you know, And which I've done before. I've, sometimes I just want to be with God, and just drive around so I'm not looking at my phone. I do put my earbuds in so as I'm talking out loud in the car, I just don't look absolutely odd, right? And if that's cool for you or it's alone on a couch or with a few people at work, whatever you do, It's expected. In other words, how can you have a relationship without communication? So whether that's formal, informal, whether throughout the day, you just, as things come up, you bring it to God, or it's set times. I don't think we need to be religious about it, because in the Bible, you see all sorts of expressions. Either way, God expects that we're going to make time for him. And so if you want to be a growing Christian, if you want to be someone who's following Jesus and growing in your faith, prayer is something we need to grow in. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew 6. When you pray, not if, when you go to pray, don't be like the hypocrites. In other words, and Jesus goes on to say what the hypocrites look like, that there's a religious way of trying to make yourself look good. Don't be like the people who always stand in the street and wear the right clothes and Show off that, look, I'm spiritual. No. When you pray, go into your room. Uh, Do you have to do it in a room by yourself? Not necessarily. But he's saying, don't make it a show. Close the door. Pray to your Father who's unseen. When you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans. The pagans used to think that if you impressed God with your words, if you were eloquent, he would hear you and answer. He's like, the Father's not like that. Your, your time with God doesn't have to be an hour to be effective. I could spend 30 seconds just pouring out my thought, thoughts and my heart to God. I could spend five minutes. It could be broken up and interrupted if you're a parent by kids. I think, I think Jesus is okay when they come in with a snotty nose and you, know, you, you disinfect them or whatever. And then you, you go back to it. It could be interrupted by work. If you're in the workplace and you're just having a moment of saying, God, I don't know what to do, I think Jesus is okay with these things. He just expects that we come to him. This then is how you should pray. And, and Jesus lists it out. Relationship requires time. So it's expected. Second thing, I think we get that one. Second thing, this may seem weird. Prayer is actually learned. Learned. It's, it's not, how many of you, don't raise your hand. When you first started following Jesus in your formative years, someone said okay, if you want to grow in prayer this is what you can do. How many of you had someone sit you down and say I found that this is helpful and this is not helpful. I think for many of us, I never had that. I never had someone say to me, Jose, if you want to grow in prayer. I just picked up some tidbits along the way. Some practices were healthy and helpful. Some weren't, right? And most of us, we haven't but Jesus had disciples who said, teach us. Everyone's praying. Jesus, show us how. And I think that's, that's a word of encouragement. If you've been following Jesus for 15 to 20 years and you find time praying absent, stale, boring, ineffective, can I just say I talk to a lot of Jesus people, you're not alone. Most of the people I know say prayer is one of those areas where I know it's important I know it's expected. I know Jesus longs for it, but it's goofy. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to. I know how to talk, but I don't know how to listen and receive. Like Hannah senses God answering in real ways. Samuel knows God's answering in real ways. Look at what Paul told the church Colossians four uh, two, devote yourselves. It's learned. Devote yourselves to it. Grow in it. Be watchful. And be thankful. Pray for us. And then he goes on to say, when you pray, do these things. Pray for us that God will open a door for our message so we can proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray for me. And then he's like, pray I may proclaim it. Clearly, I need you to stand for me. So prayer has all sorts of expressions. Sometimes it's getting off of you and on other people. A lot of our time with God doesn't have to be focused on us. I'll give you... A secret that's not a secret, but something that I'm learning. Prayer shouldn't be, the end goal just shouldn't be me, me, me. Like imagine if you, those of you who have kids, all they did was come to you and the only time they talked to you was, an, I need another $5, I need this, I need more time, I need a ride, I need, I need. So you're like, dude, that's my experience right now. No, actually, no, you do have these moments, these brief moments where they, where they are like, I love you, and can I have, you know, but but, wouldn't you say that that's like, don't you hope if they're young and they're doing that, that it develops and then as they mature later on, it's just about like getting to know you and, and a real conversation about like two-way street? I think it's the same thing with prayer. Our default mode is I need, I need, I'm desperate, help me. God wants to mature us though to learn to spend time with him just because he's amazing. Just, what if we went not just with the expectation, God, these are my things that I need, and like, help me, help me, help me, but rather, God, I want to get to know you more, and I thank you for what you're doing, and you're worth it, and I'm going to spend nine hours, at, 10 hours at work, I'm going to spend all this time on my phone, I'm going to spend all this time in traffic or shopping or all that, but Jesus, I want to take these minutes and remind myself of how amazing you are. I want to know you more. Maturity in prayer will move from just me, me, me to God, you're great, and oh my gosh, I bumped into this person and that person and that person, and God, what about them? And it's going to move towards others. Devote yourself. Be watchful. Be thankful. And so since most of us haven't been taught how to pray, I'll give an illustration. It's like running. Most of us if our legs are functioning, some they're not. But most of us can run. You just put one leg in front of the other. And so you don't need someone to give you a lesson on running or, or walking, if you're like running is not your thing, or speed walking, if you're confused. You know, it's like it's not running, it's not walking, it's just hip movement. It's, it's like a duck. It's goofy. It's a sport. If you do it, I mock you. But, but you know, like you can you can just do it. I mean, you you just put one leg in front of the other. But then you realize... Actually, if you want to grow in it and run more than, you know, a mile, or maybe do two or three or five or race or half marathon, there, is, there are some things you can learn about like cadence and about uh, speed and rhythm and pace and posture and breathing. So anyone can run. Anyone can pray. You don't need a long lecture. You don't need to listen to this. Anyone can communicate with God, spend time with him and learn to hear. But in order for our time to be more effective, I learned a lot about running from people who are who are more seasoned in it and were super helpful. Now my time running is more effective than the one I just put on cheap shoes and ran. I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing. In the same way, even if you've been following Jesus 25 years, there are things you can learn about the presence of God to make it more influential for your own soul. Third thing, and we'll, we'll practice it. Prayer is conversation, okay? So it's, it's two ways. We get the talking part, because most of us, we just run out of stuff fast. Let's not kid ourselves. At the end of the day, we're like, I did this. Lord, I did this. I'm sorry for this. Help me with that. Tomorrow's going to be stressful. Help a few people. Amen. We, th- that's a list, and that's okay. It's okay to start. But Samuel learned through Eli's help to cultivate listening and hearing what God is doing. And I believe that you're not Eli and you're not Samuel and you're not an ancient Old Testament prophet to Israel. You are actually in a better scenario to hear from God. They had the Holy Spirit working in and through them because of the cross and resurrection. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. So the same Spirit of God that gave these clear words to Samuel now lives inside of you. You're a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, and God has sealed you with his Holy Spirit, and he wants to speak to you in clearer ways than even Samuel. So don't look at them and say, man, I wish I was. No, you have Jesus Christ by his Spirit living in you. You can know God's ways. And guess what? Samuel thought it was Eli. It was natural It wasn't like deep, God. You know, it's like we put the God voice on. It was so normal, he thought he was listening to his friend. And in a very real way, you can learn, and the Holy Spirit is there to help, learn what God is saying in the moment to your soul. This is not goofy. This is reality. So we're going to do one way to cultivate a lifestyle of learning to hear from God. This may be new. If this is dull, come next week. It may be a little more enticing. But this could, this could actually break us free from some of the ruts. So this is not the way. Hear me. It's a way. And if it's helpful, great. In the end, when I first started learning about cadence and running, I really had to think about it. Now I just do it. And I know when I'm out of step with myself, but it took me a couple of years but it started with thinking about it, and then I was free. So if this seems like restrictive, just hang in and try it. All right, four things, write them down. Read, reflect, respond, and rest. They even rhyme. Isn't this exciting? Alliteration, you got to love it. Read, reflect, respond, and rest. And what I want to do is go through it real quick, and then we're going to practice it in church together. And then out of goodness the goodness of God, we're going we're gonna to respond with worship and singing and communion. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that you do this with me together. Okay, read. What is, what is read? Read the Bible. Connect the Bible and listening to God. Here's why. If I'm just saying, God, speak a word to my soul, how do I know that it's him? Well, if I want to increase what I'm hearing, I need to know what God has said. Every time I read the Bible, I am, I am hearing from God. Now, even though if I don't understand it, God's words are inspired. They're filled with his life. They're they're God-breathed. And they're useful to teach some things I don't know. I read the Bible. I'm hearing from God. To correct. Sometimes I'm doing or thinking or feeling things that are out of sync with God. If I just read the Bible, that's hearing from God. It's not a voice, but it's a word and words of power. And they can, they can rebuke. Sometimes God has to get the megaphone out and say, stop, stop, stop. And the Bible is full of catastrophes. Just read the Bible. It's full of people blowing up their life. And God's patience and God's love and God's discipline. So I can hear from God by stepping into someone else's story and saying, oh, wow, if that's what happened to them, maybe God, thank you for the warning. And then it's also for training. There are things God wants you to know so that you can do the things he wants you to do. So every time I read the Bible, I'm hearing from God. So in order to pray, what I do is I read first and let my reading drive my listening and drive my speaking. Do you have to do it in that order? No. But, but if you feel like, man, I could use maybe some new rhythm, like exercise, after a while I do the same thing, what happens? It's no longer effective. Maybe you could throw this in the mix. I'm going to read a passage slowly. So when I'm reading the Bible, I'm not trying to speed through. Better, less read again and again and again. If you don't read the Bible in a year, Jesus loves you. If you don't read the whole Bible in 10 years, Jesus loves you. Read a paragraph. Read it again and again and again. If you have the Bible app, you can read it. I do it in multiple translations. Here's why. Everything's been translated from Hebrew and Aramaic and and Greek into English. Sometimes various English words will bring something to life and make it more clear. Just read it again and again and again. My goal is not to speed through, is to read it until I, I begin to get into it. What do I mean by into it? You don't have to read a lot. Number two, reflect. What words or lines stick out more than others? If I want to begin to cultivate a lifestyle of hearing from God, as I'm reading, I could almost guarantee it, not every day, that would be a lie, most times something sticks out more than others. I could read the same passage for a week, and day by day, something else will stick out to me. Do you know that's part of how God and His goodness begins to communicate to us? All of it's true, all of it's good, so just circle it, underline it, whatever you have to do, copy and paste it, what sticks out, and then ask yourself a couple of simple questions. What do I see about God? What do I see about myself? What do I see about my situation? Now, you say, well, this seems kind of routine and like homework-ish. It's not natural. All I'm saying is in order to gain new skills, sometimes we have to do something that's not natural until it becomes natural. Now, when I'm doing it day by day, I'm not there with this list of questions but I've cultivated the time and practice, read, and I stop. When something sticks out to me, I don't keep reading, I stop. And I think about it. And I begin to ask myself, okay, God, is this something new about you? Is this something pointing to me? Is this speaking to my situation? Is this speaking to someone else's situation? I take the time to reflect. That's not wasted time. You say, that's praying? Can I just say this? Like the young child says, yes. That's praying. Praying is not just lists. It's not just needs. Prayer is an invitation to communication with God. And whenever I'm taking the time to hear what he has done and think about it, I'm not verbalizing anything, but that is time with God. Third thing, I'm going to respond. And this is where I think we need to take the next step. It's not just about hearing something about God. Oh, that's interesting. Or, oh, that's unique. I begin to ask God, how does this connect with my life? or our life today. What do you need to know? God, what do I need to be? What do I need to do? What should I ask for? Begin to take the time, and, and if it helps you, some of you, oh, I, I don't process that way. Write it out. I'd encourage you, just take this grid, read and reflect and respond, and rest, and when you spend time with God this week, take a passage, and run through this grid. Finally, the The last one is to rest. We usually jump into go mode and pray and ask and leave. But I would say just take a minute. Take two. What about God makes you want to worship him or at least be with him? Before you move on, what is it that you saw in there about God? And think about it. This is a hard discipline for Americans like me addicted to phones. Sit and just think about God. Just think about him. Think about his goodness. Think about what he's done. Think about what he said. Think about what he did. Think about the warning. Think about the promise. Don't rush it. And if that means you looked at two lines from the Bible today and thought about God, my friend, you are spending time with him. What you're going to find is as things begin to stir up in your own life and God begins to lean you, ask about this. And you begin to see those things happen. Or, I want to remind you, Jose, that's not good for you. And I begin to act on it. What it's going to cultivate is a hunger for more. And just like Samuel began to hear the voice of God, if you track his life, then God can give him more information and more information because he's cultivated what it means to know God for himself. Again, this is just one way of listening so here's what I'm going to ask us to do we're gonna practice in church and this may seem like homework some of you are overdue for some homework okay let's just let's just practice together this is not a joke do you know in the next five minutes and I'm just gonna walk you through it in five minutes you can get an encouraging word from God without me having to say what it is if you're open to it I hope you're open all right I um, so you don't even have to open your Bible yet. We're going to throw on the screen one of my favorite passages from Philippians 4. It's super famous because we go to it when we're in trouble, okay? So this is not going to be unfamiliar. And all I'm going to ask you to do, we're going to walk through it step by step and together. I'm not going to read it out loud. I'm going to give you a minute. Read it. Just read it. If you, if you prefer looking at the pages of your Bible, do that. But just read it. And all I'm doing is I'm reading it Read it once. If you have time, read it twice. I just want to see if anything strikes me. That's all I want to do. Just read it, read it, read it. Some read fast, some read slow. When when you're done reading it twice, just put up your hand real quick so I know you've read it twice and then you can put it back down. I think many of you have just just don't even look at me. Just keep your eyes on the screen. Just read it. I'm just curious, how many of you, as you read it, a word, a phrase stuck out more than the rest of it? Just more than the rest. Not ever. Okay, it's cool. All right. So you for those if that hasn't happened yet, you keep reading it. For those of you who it has, just focus on that word or that line. Forget the rest. All of it's inspired, it's all good. I just want you to think about that phrase, that line, that word. And I'm going to look back at those questions. What does it say about God? Is there something about God in there? God could just be reminding you something about himself. Is the line about you? Is it about something that's true of you or something you should do? So when God gives us something, sometimes it's about him, sometimes it's about us. Is it about your situation? Is it about anxiety? Is that the focus? Or is the focus peace? Or is the focus, I'll be with you? Like, at the same time, you're not all getting the same thing. I just want us to see that. Okay, you've got a line. Um, Just look at that. Don't look at anything else. I'm going to give you a second. Is God saying something to you about that? Is he inviting you to do something? Um, Is he inviting you to believe something that maybe you're wrestling with? Is he inviting you to ask something? His word to you may be about, I want you to ask about this thing. Um, Is he inviting you to enjoy something? Let's just, let's not rush it. If you have a pen or if you have your little notes thing out on your phone, in whatever language you want to put it in, what do you think God is saying about that concerning you? And he could just be saying, I'm there. He could be saying, trust me. He could be saying, uh, think about things that are pure. Jose, I want you to, I want you to find pure, good things, and focus on that. He may be saying, Jose, I want you to put this into practice. I'm teaching you things, but you're not doing it. He he could be saying, my my peace is gonna be with you. I want you to write something down. Here's why. We think that, that hearing from God is loud thunder. Most of the time, It's gentle impression, most of the time. It's almost as if that thought's my thought. And sometimes we discount that God's speaking, because that's just me, or I'm just thinking about some guy I heard or some message or song or podcast, when in fact, it's God using those things as a vehicle to remind us of what's true. All right, now, let's just rest in it for a minute. The band's gonna come but i don't want you to to lose the moment. We're going to worship in a second. It's we're going to move on but rest in this. God may as he's reminded you of something, he may have something real refreshing or specific or he may be drawing you to talk to him and we just want to give you space to do that. Okay? Don't don't rush in it. We often don't hear cuz we we're like, we got to move on to the next thing. So Hannah's just going to play for a, a second and wait on God. As a matter of fact, help me out here. Unless you're looking at those words to ingrain them, just close your eyes for a minute and just, whatever God stirs you to think or do, or maybe just wants you to sit in his presence and enjoy, enjoy him, take the time and do that. Friends, this is prayer. This is listening and hearing and, and, and learning to cultivate relationship language size with this many people that you would draw our minds to certain things that are right and good and true. And so we just we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you that you love us and long to show us who you are and you're patient with us. Lord, thank you that you haven't given up on us. Lord, thank you that you break through even when we just get so busy that we don't take time to stop that you've shown us this morning. Now, Holy Spirit of God, how do we act out on what you're saying? Lord, for those of us who've been called just to trust you, we choose to trust you today. For those of us that you're stirring to get rid of things, God, give us the grace and power to say no to things that are harmful and yes, to things that are good. Lord, for those of us wrestling with anxiety, thank you that you promised you the God of peace you would be with us Lord help us to see that you're right here right now even in our struggle temptation pain heartache you're there God we want to grow in hearing from you Amen Quietly I'm going to invite you to Stand if you want to sit and pray. That's totally cool too, but uh, I invite you to stand when you're ready. And we want to turn these thoughts into prayers in song. And so, as we step into this next season and we we sing out, um, God may He may speak through a line in the song. He speaks through Scripture, but sometimes He uses other things as well. So, don't just check out and say, "Oh, that was cool." As we're singing, if a, a line in the song sticks out to you, write it down. And then when you get home, think about it. Ask God about it. God, what is it that you want me to do with it? And little by little, friend, I'm telling you, this will become more natural and normal, and you don't need the training wheel, so to speak, of questions, but this will just get into your soul and become your practice. Lord, thank you that you hear us. Now we worship you. Spirit and truth, take these songs and make them more than songs to us. But Lord, we offer them as prayers to a God who is worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name.